0: This podcast is proudly sponsored by Simmental Australia. The versatility and strength in both maternal and terminal trays should make Simmentals your first choice crossbreeding partner. So isn't it time you took your Simmental advantage?
1: Well, g'day, I'm Ollie Lalive and I'll be taking you on a bit of a journey as we sit down with a range of people that have been here since the very beginning, as well as some of the newcomers. Where the breeds come from, where the opportunities are today and where they see it going into the future. Welcome to the first interview and I'm really excited that I'm sitting down here at the Sydney Royal Easter Show with John Hopkins. John's father Henry is a founding member of the Australian Simmental Association. And 50 years later, John alongside his wife Nicole are still as passionate as ever about the Simmental breed. In this chat, John shares more about his journey and some of his learnings and reflections in the industry so far as well as providing more insight into his operation, Wormbeat Simmantiles. Enjoy the chat. We're, we're back in the sheds now. It's my first time so far for this Easter show. John, welcome. It's great to have you on as part of this Simmental series and, and hearing some of the different stories from different people.
2: Oh, Ollie, I'm looking forward to the whole series and it's terrific to be here and appreciate being asked.
1: Tell me a little bit about your involvement with the Sydney show.
2: Just because there 's a big celebration of fifty years, which is a, a major milestone it's fantastic um, uh, we originally there was going to be state uh, the World Congress was planning to come to Australia at that stage and and so, as a, a state branch, which um, obviously i 'm on, um, we decided that we let 's put our hand up and say well let 's do the big celebration in Sydney show and make it a feature and um, so we applied to the to the show and asked if we could possibly be the feature breed. Um, and um, and celebrate the, the wonders of of, of the Simmentile world, and they agreed to that. So then we we went back to Federal Council and said, well, we've got it, we've got it there. Let's make it the central hub. And so um, uh, there will be other celebrations all over Australia for the big 50 years. But um, this one, uh, there's a big function tonight, dinner and uh, auction and things. It'll be a lot of fun. And um, so we've just uh, made a bit of a feature. And there's been. Uh, we tried to get fifty steers for fifty years yep. to promote it, and um, uh, i was sweating bullets yesterday because I was am tr- uh, the treasurer of the state council at the moment, and um, came up with this bri- uh, brain child that if uh, what if we put up a twenty thousand dollar prize for each champion if you actually took out a champion in, in the ring for the steer competition, and uh, uh, yeah, would have if they'd all gone off uh, the. Yeah I would have uh, would have been had my hand in my own pocket I think but um trying to back it up but we got very close as a breed um but didn't quite uh, jag one yesterday but uh, the the semi steers uh held their own beautifully and looked magnificent out there and and a really good line up and uh, with floods and things we we didn't quite get our 50 the
1: 46 came along yeah it's close. And, and it's a good year like a very special year to be you guys are celebrating your own milestone Sydney shows celebrating yeah, yeah, two hundred years. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, there's even royalty here today.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, if you can spot it, well done. But I don't know when that's happening. Yeah,
1: no. The, ca- the as I as I was walking in, the car was out the front. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And
2: what, what are you interviewing me for?
1: No, well, I wanted to talk to the interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I want to um understand a little bit more. I think for for context, for me, for for the listeners of this, it'd be awesome to understand your early years in agriculture. Where where'd you grow up?
2: Well, I was. Well, I grew up at, at a property called Wormbeat, which is our retained stud name, um, down in Victoria. So I'm sixth generation from that property and um uh and I just remember cattle all my life. I mean it's been my interest and, and my passion that Dad sort of everything Dad did was I was his shadow and um uh we were fortunate that Dad dad was on a Nuffield an scholarship and um and, and visiting Kenya, we went to the show and 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 found cementiles and hadn't seen them before and just thought, well, these cattle are something else. And um, we need to move with these. And um, so that was in '66, 1966, I think. And then soon after the he and a, he and a couple of other cronies got together and they formed the first society from in Victoria there. And um, they really dedicated those original fellows really dedicated a lot of their time and effort and and uh, finances into the, getting the breed up and running and um, and the breed owes a lot to that foundation of that and the excitement but they weren't doing it for that. They're they just so, as we still are, excited by the cattle that we're breeding today. So in that that stage, there was a lot of semen coming in. Um, uh, terrific gold bulls, Scottish heritage and things were used and, and no one knew what they could do. So for us personally, we uh, Dad went around and um, purchased the best, of of what he considered any breed he could find, and and um, entroled and Simmentals over them, and then bred up from there and into the pure ones we have now, and carry on with yeah.
1: In terms of the the stories, but like what 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 are some of the stories that you've heard from those early years of of those boys back then Which setting exactly it up?
2: Some of it I'd rather we probably <laughs> probably shouldn't be talking about, but Just I know there's a beep beep beep. Yeah, you know, there'd be a lot of um and And my father assures me he wasn't one of those, but uh I know there was several meetings where people hadn't been to bed. I think they um that they 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 worked hard and I th- they played pretty hard as well and had a lot of fun and enjoyed each other's company and which was is what it's all about um but yeah, I think there's a, a lot of lack of sleep there at times, and um I hadn't expected this question to, just to think of some stories off the top of my head, but um I think it's politics in any in any thing you do. Um, and way people uh, went about their business, and um, and yeah, good education I think for for learning curve. To um, as as you'll find as you interview more and more people, you get people tackle things differently, and it's uh, it's good to try and pick up hints from everyone as you go along. But they were pretty clever blokes back then, and to recognise that there was a breed out there that needed to come in Australia, and. Um, so going back to your original question was how did I originally... I remember trying to keep up with my old man as we walked through the paddocks looking at the new calves and the types were really the first to start the performance recording and that was something Dad had, had discussed with a great mate of his beforehand and was enthralled. This fellow farmer uh, was was trying to do a bit of performance recording with his own herd and um, and Dad was enthralled with that. So he took it on and I remember weighing cattle back in the early days. I've still got a set of old cattle scales there that... Um, I've had to protect all my life as though they you know because I was so it's such a big thing back then but really they should be thrown on the scrap heap but yeah. um so yeah I remember all sorts of things try, trying to keep up with dad little footsteps with his strides across the paddock and me running along trying to keep up and uh, I tried to keep up with him all my life I think but uh, he passed on his great passion of the breed and that's where we've gone from and um so we've we've moved properties a couple of times since then and we're now uh, at Place called Illabar on the southwest slopes of uh, New South Wales, and and the, that's the home. And we've retained the name of Wormbeat. No one knows what the damn thing means, and everyone pronounces it differently. But it uh, it was from the original property, meaning the joining of the two waters. Gotcha. That's, how, that's how we get the stud name. And, and um, as much as we probably should change it to something that has a bit more of a meaning today, it's 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 the sentimental value that I'm. Uh, much to my wife's annoyance, that I'm refusing to give up.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, when I um, saw it, I saw saw the video and saw worm bait, and I was like, when you guys said Illabo, I kind of threw it out because I obviously knew of it in Winchelsea, yes. um, with family around there. But yes, there you go. It's so, a small world.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where the keenness for Aussie rules comes in. I'm one of those Mexicans that's jumped the border and and uh, very happy to be New South Wales, but still love the footy.
1: Yeah, well, and Illabo's is not a bad place. I, I worked in CUDA for a for a time, I oh, so, didn't
2: know that either. I'm finding more and more about you every
1: day. So, <laughs> spent a bit of time at the Illawarra Hotel. I think my name's on the roof, actually, <laughs> <laughs> along
2: with many others. Yeah, There's some been good times in there. But uh, uh, yeah, we had a great big BNS back in those days, and, oh. and you would have been around, I suppose. At, uh, oh,
1: 2011, right? Uh, oh yeah, would have. Yep. Probably there the in Area days. Park and hmm. all of that. You you say you you spent your childhood running around after your old man? Was was it always obvious that you were going to? end up farming or what did you want to do
2: yeah dad was very keen for me to do a trade of some sort or, and and try my hand at something else and um yeah I actually thought I might have been a teacher at one stage and what I, my passion was I really wanted to be a vet but you've got to face reality and if you haven't got the ability to do something You've got to find the next one. Yeah. Uh, and it was either, I really would have loved to have been a vet or a helicopter pilot, so I'm breeding cattle, so there you go. Oh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's lots of people. On I'm one who had the aspirations of a vet, but I think the reality comes back into it too.
2: <laughs> well, it is quite extraordinary because um, without, I think, I don't know whether my daughter actually knows it, but my oldest daughter's actually in her second year of vet science now. Oh, really? Yeah. But she's, um, she's struggling because she wants to jump to the good part where she can do genetics with cattle.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, wow, that's exciting. Mm tell me a little bit more about like over the years you said you, you'd moved properties several times was that you instigating that no or? that
2: was actually dad instigating that um, and we went from uh, Winchelsea up to Beaufort mm-hmm. and to a, a terrific property there ur and then they uh, we did a quick step into New South Wales and and then um, I did something the old man always swore he'd never do and, and sold without knowing where he wanted to go or what he was going to do they'd a place there and, and mum and dad he really decided that they perhaps would have been better closer back to family and friends. That there's more to life than just farming. And um, and, and the long story, the short story is we ended up at Illabo. So, um, it's a long story how that came about. But it's a terrific place and a really good community that we're at now. And um, it's uh, the, yeah, at that time when we'd sold and the wool market was in the gloom. Uh, in the doldrums, and then suddenly the wool market kicked, and everyone withdrew their properties in Victoria off the market. The way everyone went down there again, and and um, this terrific place came up, and and there we go. And then I said, Dad, if you want to move again, you're in Queensland, and I'm not coming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about um, where you guys are now, your, your property today.
2: Yeah, Illabo, uh It's 1043 hectares. It's um, it's a terrific spot. Uh, basically, red loam country and. Uh, just needs rain like a lot of places and and it 's and it 's fantastic um unfortunately, we do have those dry years, like everybody, and we perhaps have a few more where we are but um when it's when it 's great it 's magnificent and um and you can 't beat it
1: yeah yeah so what are you guys running there today?
2: a mixed farming operation we 've got uh building our sheep numbers still so we 're still into Merino sheep with a with with um a portion of them going back to to a terminal sire, and so we have that offshoot going as well. Um, still running some cropping along that, and uh, and building our cattle numbers. We've now launched from. It's been uh, a farm that <clears throat> there with my wife Nicole and my eldest Mim and youngest one Judy. who's in the final year at school, and and um, uh, so uh, it's great to have Nicole alongside me, and she's a great driving force. And and uh, we've invested in, in sort of been sort of intrigued by this sort of. Uh, more natural regen um, farming and um, we're not getting carried away and we're not hugging trees and things but we're we're embracing what we have and we're trying to look after our soils and we're running larger mobs and uh, we're doing a lot more of multi-species cropping now rather than just straight cropping and monoculture type things and we're, we're learning our way, feeling as we go um, and trying to investigate as best we can and adapt to our situation and it just seems to be really working for our stock, especially... Um, and um, and the, the overall health of the thing and the well-being of the property, um, yeah, I do enjoy nature, so yeah, <laughs> it's good to see that all working. And um, I'm I'm really big on integrated pest management and, and the benefits of that. And it seems to be exploding. So
1: that transition from I'd say conventional traditional farming into the the regen side,
2: I've always queried, and and so Nicole has particularly is always asking questions. Um, Saying why are we doing it this way and why why that and you know why can't we do something differently and why can't we put these mixes in with others and um, and I suppose Ollie we we have been hit a couple of times by very late frosts and we've we got smashed out with uh, record crops uh, on twenty uh, eighth of October and a couple of years later we got the third of December with a black frost and uh, had banked the check basically and uh, didn't collect one at all so uh, that's heartbreaking so. From that, I made the decision. Well, every every crop we were going to grow had to have a dual purpose. Um, and, and having said that, we still do grow a little bit of canola, but um, rotation. But, um, and we've led on from that, and then we explored more things, and now we've got into the multis, and, and uh, that seems to be working really well for us, but uh, it's taken a bit of the risk out of it, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Simmental's offer the commercial industry a crossbreeding option and no other breed can match. Fast weight gains and superior milking ability are just a couple of the advantages you will gain when cementile genetics influence your breeding program, whether you breed them for the vela market through to the heavy export market. There is a Simmental option out there in the colour of your choice. Isn't it time you took your herd to the next level in performance?
1: And and what you're saying, you mentioned you've gone multi-species cropping. What are you seeing on yeah, kind of the pest front, environmental front with this yeah, different more, approach?
2: More so, um, I think with the work that we've done planting trees and, and regenerating the property that way, and fencing our creekways out and dams, and um, and just the love of doing that sort of thing, trying not to use up too much land, but and, and work it with the with the overall program and layout of the property. And it's through that that I'm finding, you know, I get – I mean, we're not perfect, but there's many times that my neighbours are having to spray for insects or something in a crop and, and we're not. And I'm thinking, well, they're sneaking out into the paddocks and it's working well and we're seeing the beneficials and, yeah. Yeah. I hope I'm not getting too much of a greeny for you.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I think, I think it's interesting because it, it is such an an interesting area. And, well, I'm, I'm learning probably more so than the average person, like, uh, in terms of this uh, – it, like I think when it comes to regen ag, it's, it's such an interesting area because people are looking at it through the lens of, oh, here's the next kind of I think iteration. It, yeah, but it's
2: I think we've all got to be careful what we call it. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, it can be called holistic management. It can be called lots of things. And if as soon as you start putting one of those terms on it, it becomes a buzzword, but then it, becomes a, uh, it can become a nasty word as well. So yeah. we're just trying to look at an overall farm property beneficial for us that's uh, the soils that I'm really fascinated by we don't know what's going on down there and what what some of these uh, uh, people that are talking in this space talk about it just makes sense that mm. I couldn't put words to before yeah and the understanding and um, um, yeah I think we really need to be exploring the soils part before we worry too much about up top but um, uh, and gradually hopefully we all build our knowledge and help each other and and it and it doesn't become a a a sort of a branded thing it becomes a bit more normal and and everyone's uh helping each other and and agriculture is a better place and a better space and we're all healthier
1: Mm. well i think it's interesting looking even as you walk around the showgrounds here it's that regenerative thing it actually seems like it's something that consumers can understand
2: yes i think and it's all relatable and it's um and i don't think we all understand how much it filters through right through the whole whole program
1: Mm. no it's interesting i think um yeah like well are we're getting off topic here, but like bullies and and all those others it's sustainability up in lights, and that comes back to what you and and so many other farmers are doing every single day on Well, farm. we're just
2: trying to do it and as i say we're we're a long way off where we where we should be i think and we where we want to be Yep. but uh we're not jumping in holus bolus, we're just taking the parts that we think fit and uh trying to work with them and exploring it and and uh building as we go along, hopefully yeah.
1: So, changing gear a little bit, tell me a bit about Wormbeat stud and what you guys have got
2: yeah, well, I have to give Dad a lot of credit to start with and um uh, and he always said to me you'll never make you 'll never make great money out of a stud, and you'll make some magnificent friends and we've found that and um and hopefully we're trying to make it make the money as well to um so uh from where Dad and I were working so hard with the stud um suppose the first thing I was trying to achieve with Dad was that we realised that the the, um, the horns had to go off our cattle um, and, and finding the genetics. Uh, our breed's are a bit different in the traditional Simmental in the fact that, that we're worrying about, for us, where we've come from, not so much in Queensland, but we need to worry about coat colour as well. Mm-hmm. And we've all been trying to get that straight-bodied red with the big eye patches and for all the reasons that everyone talks about, whether you need them or you don't. But... Um, at the end of the day, our market has dictated to us uh, that we need to have a straight-coloured um, animal um, with as much pigment on it. And if, and if that pigment, pigment is then accentuated into big panda patches, well, that's fantastic. And um, so uh, and Nicole and I have led on. Dad and I started trying to do it, but we've really pushed hard, Nicole and I, for doing that. And, um, and we're now trying to produce uh, homozygous pole bulls as well. Um, which which we seem to manage every year in our sale, we get a few of them. So um, it, that was a f- one of the bigger things. Obviously, we've just with our cattle, we've always dad always, you know, we always tried to stay middle of the road. We weren't um, following any trends, and that's probably a lesson that I've taken along all the way to to watch out for for trends and stick to true to what you believe in. And um, and so we've we've remained middle of the road in our frame size, and and dad always said get a get a bite of the Pendulum as it swung both ways. Um, but I think it's also filtered through and it's kept our structure uh, where it is today. And uh, it's terribly important. I mean, really, I mean, sound pretty passionate about it because I am, but if you get a uh, structurally correct animal and and a structurally correct sim until it stands up and is in great order and everything, they're bloody hard to beat. Yeah. yeah they really are. They're a magnificent animal.
1: You see the passion. Uh, you say staying in the middle of the road. So when you took over. Um, the stud and the business side of things well were, were there things that you looked to change or implement to make your mark on it
2: oh well i suppose the, the the changing from the horn to the pole and really being really being seriously focused on that without losing the attributes of the others um and it was pretty hard back then to find polled cattle and um and 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 keeping all those other other things that we're looking for um and then the other big move that nicole and i have done uh is is go down the line to of of the black cementile mm-hmm. and the sim angus, and um, which both so we basically we've got three three things on offer from our our little setup and um, uh, to try and cater for the market that we've created or and, and comes to us and and we were finding people were loving what we we're doing with the traditional simmentals but they're saying we just want them black and I was, uh, I was saying you know you want forty odd years back then now we're fifty but uh, you want forty odd years to a click at a finger to make them black, That just doesn 't happen, but we 'll do our best and, uh, I resisted for a little while, and Nicole said to me um, you know don 't stick your head in the in the sand you know there 's a business opportunity out there. we need to be taking it and she was right so um that 's what we 've done, and we're building our numbers strongly and um i'll never i 'll never lose my beloved traditionals um I had a bet with a fellow in Western Australia. <laughs> And uh, he said to me when we started doing the blacks, he said, I'll, "I'll bet you, I'll bet you quite considerable amount of money it was. I won't tell you, but uh, within five years you're you're complete blacks." And I said, "Well, just get your money ready, fella, because it'll that'll never happen." But um, it's certainly a big part of our business now.
1: And tell me a little bit more about the the people you've got in your business. You've mentioned Nicole a few times.
2: Yeah, well, really, uh, I keep mentioning Nicole because uh, it, it's uh it's we're a family run business, and that's her and I and the kids and and uh, we, we contract out our sowing, try and make that life a bit easier. Um, we've changed our carving time now, um, so, so that has made life a bit easier for the, for the whole program. Um, We're now we now uh, spring calving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to try and carve and weigh calves and do all the data collection at the same time as I was going around the clock trying to get my crop in the ground and things. So uh, being understaffed, we've, we've, we've pulled in contractor for that mate of mine and does a terrific job and I'm flat out keeping the seed up to him and, and spraying in front and behind and all the rest of it goes in on a timely manner and we uh, usually, we hope. But, uh, <laughs> depends yeah, it
1: Depends on the year. Yeah, depends <laughs> on the year
2: and breakdowns. But um, So that, that's uh, alleviated. But yeah, other than that, it's, we, we are the workforce and um, that's why I talk about my wife so much.
1: And the, the girls coming back into the business, that would yeah. be pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, we look, we're lucky. Um, they're both both into it, um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see in time to come what happens down the line. Uh, there's no pressure on on them in any shape or form. They're both clever girls that have great ability, and you know if they choose that that's what their their calling is in the end. Well, well and good, and um, we'll do everything we can to assist them. But uh, who knows? I mean, you're still finding your feet, Ollie.
1: Following on from that, I think um, what you mentioned. Mim Min? Yes, yeah. Mim's the eldest, yes. Studying vet. So obviously very interested in the data side. You guys have got right into, into that as a stud.
2: Oh well we we it was another thing, it was like to, like taking the, the horns off the cows. Um you can't you can't manage what what you don't know. And um so there's a lot of there's a lot of fault in, in, in the overall programmes that we're using in a lot of ways and they can be criticised but they're a starting point, and and, and there's, you know if you use it the right way, as it is as, as a tool, as it is it's a great guide, mm-hmm. and uh, data collection is part of that, and um, we do a lot of things like that. But we also get outside opinion. You know, we, we get our cattle structurally assessed by an independent, a qualified fellow, and all our salesmen. You know, and we're unashamedly we print whatever that comes back at. But we also do all our heifers every year. You know, it's not just our sale animals, and um, and. I've always been a structure freak and it drives people nuts, but, you know, you've got to get around that paddock and um, feet and legs are everything to start with and, you know, fertility is number one, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you get everything right that way, you're away go. And if, you know, tracking animals and with their data collection, that it's got a a lot to stand for. I I think it's not going to be long Mm -hmm. and we'll all be multi-breed and that'll be a good thing, I think, yeah.
1: And... what's next for you guys you guys are i've i've heard you're you're trying to get your clients to or get yielding bulls in front of your clients
2: you've done your homework ollie yeah, yeah. once yeah. Or, once or twice yeah. not at school no, but
1: uh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're a bloke <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, we have we've moved last year we made the big move we had our our normal march sale and uh and and we were fortunate enough that that went off quite well and um so I said to with Nicole, we were discussing it one evening, and I just said we both feel that we should be selling our bulls younger. Mm-hmm. And so, with the cattle market the way it is, let's have a go and let's do it this year, and let's not die wondering. Um, and that's the lesson that I was talking to you earlier about. As we all get a little bit more age, honestly, we look back, and you don't want to have you don't want to have wonders left behind. Uh, I Jack Root in Western Australia for terrific people over there, and one of my bosses over there with the two two brothers that ran the place, and one of the favourite sayings of one of my bosses was you might as well be hung for a sheep as, a, as for a lamb and um, and it stayed with me so um, anyway I got off track sorry and, no, it's, it's uh, and, and so, so we did we, we went for the September sale um, September 15th last year 14th this year I think it'll be and, um, and that's now our sale date and so we're selling 14 month old bulls that are rearing and ready to go and fully tested and semen tested and everything just as we always do. They just haven't gone through another long hot summer and had to be artificially fed and, and um, in any shape like that. So predominantly we've, that's the big thing with the changing to these multi-species as well and that's one of the drivers. Um, we're now running the, the bull's preparation as a multi-species crop um, chiefly, not, not totally obviously, and, um, uh, and so that's helped in the preparation. I just think it's a much more natural way of doing it not getting overfed bulls that that uh, that have been fed for a couple of years, and um, it's just it's good structurally for them. Uh, it's great for us. We don't have the losses with the fighting that carries on it always breaks out, don't they? A couple of weeks before your sale, and they seem to know it. And they're full of testosterone. <laughs> and They just love to fight. Yeah. So we've knocked that out uh, as, by selling younger bulls. Okay. Um, and uh, I think for us over here, there's the. Uh, One study in in Western Australia that leads the way with that, selling yielding bulls Mm -hmm. and uh, in in Cementiles. I know other breeds are doing it very successfully. We thought, well, we'll have a go at it. And and, uh, last year we managed to get clearance, which was fantastic. And um, this year will be the teller, I suppose. Yeah. So far the feedback's been wonderful.
1: That's good. In terms of your uh, taking going a step above, doing the. Looking at the Simmental Society, obviously, fifty years for you guys—it's incredible, huge history. Yes. Tell me a bit more about what it's like to be involved in it.
2: Oh, I'm pretty proud of it, um, and and, and uh, yeah, I, I get pretty sometimes. I get very frustrated sometimes when when you see people that are in the breed that are not in it for the right reasons. Uh, to me, But that's just me. I'm I'm outspoken. I wear my heart heart on my sleeve. People know me as as I am. Um, and, and that's why I think it's terribly important when you get on these councils. And I had my stint on federal there for a fair while, and thought it was time that somebody else could take on. Um, that you're there for the breed, not not for yourself. Um, and and uh, and it's great to see. And those that are, that are really passionate about the breed, and that you know, that we're, you, everyone's proud here today. That's walking around the showground at the moment. You know, they're they're proud to be involved. The breed's growing. People are really re- hitting their straps, realizing what they what the market is, and and it, you don't have to breed purebred cattle, they're fantastic in the F ones, you know, the, that's where I see their 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 role chiefly. Um, if I got out of the seed stock industry I'd be breeding F ones and um and they just calculate to so much, you know, fertility and and uh, milking ability and muscling and early maturity and you know, we turn the vilas off at three hundred and fifty, four hundred kilos at seven months of age and it you know, it's pretty exciting stuff. And to see them gelling so well with so many other breeds is is really exciting. and... I don't care what cattle you look at. Good cattle are great cattle, and, and any breed. I I just enjoy looking at good cattle. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'm very proud that we've all got to 50 years. I'm proud that it was uh, that I'm of the of one of, lucky enough to be handling cattle that originated as some of the originals in in the country, and um, you can't take that away. It's uh, it's a passion, and and you know it's uh, you follow your dreams, and that's been ours. And I'm lucky that I. I, I married a girl that was happy to follow my dream with me and and um, onward and upward, yeah.
1: I think uh, also in terms of the future of the breed and what the next 50 look like, it, you look out in the shed, there's certainly lots of, of young kids coming through who are pretty passionate about it.
2: Well, we ran a youth program a couple of days ago and uh, and um, I think we had to cut the books at 76 entrance or something like that and they were well up there and, and the enthusiasm was terrific. Unfortunately, we got a very wet, Wet day at the show here for it, and we had to hide under, under a side cover there, and there wasn't a lot of spaces, but we're grateful for the judges, and um, uh, and it went well, and everyone was happy, with no accidents, which is always a blessing, and yeah. and the kids are all smiling, and uh, the whole pro- program ran smoothly, and was well sponsored, and, um, and we need those young younger ones coming through, and I think that's a lesson in in all these committees as well. We need younger blood coming in on and and in and, and expressing their ideas as well if you look out the sheds there the, it's not just tr- traditionals here you know it's the, the black cimentiles uh, and, and the red cimentiles are all under the one banner and we embrace a lot um a- as a breed and and i think everyone's the same opinion the cimentiles and and we're just like good cattle and it's growing and it's a great showing here and uh yeah we're really proud
1: I think also things like the the weather the other day that's that's what makes it memorable for years to come and it's the things that they'll be laughing about. You're forever. Dead right
2: there. You don't. Uh, yeah, I remember going to a wedding once and everyone said, "Oh, the poor bride," and I said, "Everyone will talk about your wedding," and we all got drenched as a part of the marquee. Let go and and, and water went <laughs> everywhere and and you're, you know it's come back to me today to talk to you. Yeah, exactly right. It's, um, it, it, you you need a marker on the occasion to to make it worthwhile.
1: Yeah. Tell me, projection. I'm, I'm asking everyone, and you can say whatever it is. Um, <laughs> so, fifty years of cemantals this year. Yes. Another fifty years. Where Where do you see it going? What are going to be the things that are driving it?
2: I actually, um, I think the simmental will have a huge in, influence on where it's going. And as I said, dropped it a little bit earlier. I think you'll you'll see um, EBVs and things being multi-breed. Um, I'm, I'm quite sure of that, and, and I think it'll be for the benefit of the whole lot. And um, I, th- uh, I, th- personally think that there won't be so many, so much straight seed stock. It'll be, we'll all accept that you know, part breads are the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I love them pures. So I'm not getting, don't get me wrong there, but I think that's where where the cattle industry is headed. And there'll be a mix, and and I'm sure Simmental is going to be a really big part of that. That's exciting. Oh, terribly exciting. We're in the right breed for the future.
1: It's fantastic. Well, John, thank you so much for coming and having a chat.
2: Oh, I hope, hope it's uh, been of interest. And uh, Ollie, I'm looking forward to going and having a beer with you after this. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> good.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on this episode. It's been a really fun one sitting down with John to kick off and celebrate the 50 years for the Australian Simmental Association. Join us next week. We'll be sitting down with Brody Karachar. Brody is an absolute young gun. He's having a crack in numerous ways. We can't wait to share this story of the vet, cattle breeder, and where it all began for him and where he's taking his stud and opportunities within the simi breed.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Simmental Australia. Unlock the potential in your herd and take it to the next level in performance. It's time to take your Simmental advantage.